Hey, hey, good morning, good morning, everybody. I hope you're doing well. Welcome, uh, family, friends, Burlington Christian Church people. Uh, I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, we are not able to meet live this morning uh, due to some issues uh, with our AC unit and uh, moisture in the room, but um, we will be back hopefully next Sunday. Uh, we got some people coming in to take care of the issue this week. Professionals, not me. And uh, so things should be fine and back to normal. Uh, we're hoping by next Sunday. So uh, we will keep you informed on that. Also, uh, this Wednesday night, again, we will not uh, meet live. We will meet uh, on Zoom for the adults. The room, uh, the fellowship room is also at the same time right now being remodeled and it should be completed by the end of the week as well. So there you have it. We will get back to pizza on Wednesday nights at six o'clock and Bible study and kids uh, meetings. Uh, in not this Wednesday, but the next. Okay, hopefully we'll be right back to normal. And uh, God is doing great things, and uh, we'll just kind of roll with the punches as they happen, which is what uh, we do as Christians, right? We're going to roll with whatever comes our way. Trust God, live in faith, walk in faith. And that's just what we do, okay? We are talking about walk by faith, and, and it's sad for me today to tell you that this is the last message in this series. And so we're going we're gonna to end with a bang. Each one of these have been pretty uh, stout, I think, pretty um, as far as like what Jesus says, what the Bible says about what it means to walk in faith. And uh, this one's going to just kind of like put a nice end cap on all of it. And I hope we will listen very closely to what the Bible says on this topic that we're going to get into. But first, a little quiz, a little quiz. Um, the scripture says, wait, yeah, scripture says uh, we blank by faith and not by blank. Anybody know what that might mean or what those blanks are? We walk by faith and not by sight. James 2 said faith without blank is blank. Faith without deeds is dead. Galatians 2.20 says, Paul said, this life I now live in the blank. I live by blank. Maybe you know what that is. This life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Every one of these passages is so important to what it means to walk by faith. And if you'll notice, every one of them is very active. There is no just uh, this mental ascent into uh, living a life for Jesus. There is, there is physical activity. <laughs> there is action. There is active uh, participation in the mission of Jesus and in being a child of God's while we live on this planet. Please note that. Colossians, faith blank itself in Jesus. We said that faith clothes itself in Jesus in Colossians. In Galatians 5, faith is walking by the blank. We said faith is walking by the Spirit. No spirit, no walk of faith. Got to have the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 15, faith is blank a uh, blank. Let nothing move you. Faith is taking a stand. When we take a stand for God, we are living our life of faith. Psalms 27 says, faith means blank on the Lord. And we said, you got it? Waiting on the Lord. Faith means that we are going to wait on God's timing, Philippians 2, faith is having the blank of Jesus. And we said in the, in the Bible, the scripture says, our attitude, the mind, our mind, having the mind of Christ. Matthew 26, faith means not my blank, but blank be done. Probably uh, one of the easier ones. Not my will, but yours be done. That's how we live our life. For God's will. God's will. This is what faith is. This is what faith is. And then um, last week we said, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot one passage. Faith is living out the Great Commission. That's what we talked about last week. Faith is living out, Matthew 28, living out the Great Commission. Jesus is 
pass the baton of faith on to you and me. And now our mission is to take it to the world. God is calling us. God has commissioned us. We, he is counting on us. We have a responsibility now that we are in grace and in God's love to pass that on to other people. It's our job. It's our mission. It's our, our love. It's our joy that what we have received, we want others to have it before it's too late. So we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4 today with our main passage. And we're going to look at this. So uh, let's read this together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you got your Bibles, turn there with me. And let's read our passage of scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you are not grieved like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, Paul says, encourage one another with these words. And that's exactly what I want to do today, is not just challenge us in this topic today, but encourage us in this topic. And, and I, hope, I hope and pray that God is going to do something big in every one of our hearts, that we will no longer be complacent in our faith, that we will no longer just sit around and let others do but we will become active in the work of the ministry that God has given to every one of us to carry out. Every one of us in our own unique way, but all of us in the mission of Jesus of reaching the world, seeking and saving the lost with God. That's what our mission is, is to go help other people come to know Christ before it's too late. So I hope you and I will take this series. So walking by faith means a number of things, but today here's what it means from our passage. It means this, Jesus is coming soon. Prepare for judgment day. Jesus is coming soon. Prepare for the day of the Lord. Prepare for judgment day. Day. Father, we pray that you would help us to have ears that hear, eyes that see, a heart that's receptive to whatever it is you want to speak to our lives today. God, we know in the end, Jesus is going to come back and time is going to be no more and that day is coming sooner and sooner by the moment. God, help us to be busy doing everything that you've called us to do up until that very moment. God, help us to stop sitting on the sidelines and watching. Give us a passion to carry out your mission. It's your church. It's your kingdom. It's your mission you have invited us into. So help us, Father, to be busy doing the things that you've called us to do, living in a way that honors and pleases you. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts through this word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So here's what I would uh, like to challenge you with this morning. Get a piece of paper and a pencil and jot down every detail that you can about our topic today about this 
about the fact that Jesus is coming and we are to begin to prepare for Judgment Day. Start writing down short notes of everything that you hear in this message about this day. Because it's coming. And it's important that we understand what, what, what's going to happen. And it's important that we understand what we need to be doing leading up to that moment. So let me say the grace of God has come. Okay, let's think about this. The, the grace of God has come to the earth. And what a joy that is. That God has poured out his grace on the world. Right? Every, every, every tribe, every nation, uh, salvation is available to everybody. Every, every Jew, every Gentile, every American, Italian, the Canadians, every tribe, every nation, every race, every creed, every color, every tongue. Salvation is available to all people. Jesus came the first time as this precious baby, this precious infant in a manger. God sent his son, born of a virgin Mary, to be the light of the world, to be the love of the world, to be that precious salvation lying in a manger, that precious little child. And we love, we love, we love Christmas because we love that precious bundle of love that was sent from God. We know that Jesus, the baby Jesus, is a gift to all of mankind from above. And we can sing about it 24-7, right? The love and the mercy and the grace of God. I could sing of your love forever. Better is one day in your house. Your love, God, is sweeter than wine. Jesus loves me. Your love never fails. Love came down. God has extended his mercy to you and me, and we love this grace that has come, don't we? We love it. I mean, it fills us with joy because, look, if, it, if Jesus didn't come, we're, we're doomed. Probably the planet is no longer in existence and we never got on it. It was wiped away a long time ago. But because grace has come and God still is active in his creation, there's hope and God's involvement and activity continues on this planet. He's extended that to you and me. And boy, do we love his mercy and his gift and his grace. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He did that. Here's the thing about all of that. He, God, did all that. You and I did nothing. Mankind did nothing to make this happen? Well, we did. We sinned and we rebelled against a holy God, which then caused God to send his son to the earth to be our only hope of salvation and forgiveness so that we could come back into a relationship with him. But you and I, we did nothing to bring Jesus to this earth. Jesus is a free gift to all of mankind, anybody. Jesus is the grace that has been freely offered to everyone. Scripture says, while we were dead in our sin, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for all of us. And so Jesus comes the first time in this bundle of love and grace and joy, grace has come. Grace has freely come to the earth. We did nothing. God did it all. It's all his part. He did everything. And there's grace. There's Jesus. There's mercy. It's right there for anyone to come into. Jesus came the first time in love. But he is coming a second time in power and in great glory. The bundle of love is there. But when he comes again, he's coming 
not in a bundle of love, but in a bundle of judgment and power and glory and to put an end to time as we know it and put an end to sin once and forever. As a conquering king, Jesus is going to come. As an eternal judge, Jesus is going to come. With a great roar, he's going to come. With the trumpet call of God that will ring out, that all people from every corner of the earth will be gathered together, and Jesus is going to appear on the clouds, and he is going to judge the living and the dead. Man, this is no joke. This is something that you and I have got to take way more seriously than we do. That there is going to be the end and it's going to return and, and, and opportunities will be over with. Your life as a person on the planet and your job and your career and everything that you do will come to an end. It will be ended abruptly and forever. As much as we love to bask in the glory of his love, to, to only focus on the grace of our great God is only to focus on half of the truth. God's part is glorious. God's part his heavenly, is heavenly and it is good and it is gracious. Grace has come with no conditions. His grace freely came to us. We did nothing to earn it, deserve it. He gave it to us. That's why it's called grace. And that's why it's free because he provided all of it. His grace though comes and it finds us sinful and rebellious like filthy rags. That's what his grace finds when it reaches the planet. Us stuck in our sin and rebelliousness. And the grace of God that has come demands a response out of you and me, out of every soul that has ever lived on the planet. We must respond to his grace in some way. Either we accept it and believe it, or we reject it, or we ignore it. We must respond. While his grace comes, his grace comes unconditionally. That's what we mean when it's unconditional grace. What God gave us, we did nothing for. The response that we must make is very conditional. It's very conditional. We just spent the last two months talking about walking by faith. And in every passage of scripture that we looked at, God's faith, the faith that he calls us to walk on, is active faith. It's doing and honoring and pleasing and living in such a way that we are honoring the God who created everything. And so the response that we must make back to the free gift of God's grace has conditions. It's free to all, but not all accept it. Not all are in it. God requires that we live our lives on this planet like sons and daughters of the King and the creator of the universe that we turn away from our sinfulness and we walk in his ways and in his truth. He demands that from his children. And so as we wrap up this series, I, I wanna share with you or just touch on three key aspects of Judgment Day and what's to come to, to just help us realize what we're looking forward to when Jesus returns, okay? Here's, and I just wanna share with you three things. So the first thing is simply this. Truth number one about judgment day is this. That day is coming. Get that in your brain. That day is going to come. I know it seems like a long way off, like, like he hasn't come yet. It's been 2,000 plus years and he hasn't returned yet. He's probably never gonna come. No, he is coming. Remember, uh, a day, a day uh, is like a thousand years to the Lord. I mean, so so one day to you know a thousand years to us is like one day to Him. So so time for us is is long and big and forever and a lifetime. 
But time to God is, is nothing. I mean, it's, it's very, it's nothing. He's coming. He is coming. Probably sooner than we think. And there are, there are over a hundred passages of scripture in the Bible that talk about the coming of the Lord or the judgment day or the second coming of Christ. And, and, and we're going to hit on about 99 of those today. Which is why I would say write down every detail you can hear and remember about the judgment day, about the second coming of Christ, because we're going to touch on a lot of things. In our passage in 1 Thessalonians that we just read, Paul points out a number of things about that day. And I know you probably caught some of them. God's desire is for us to be in the know. He does not want us to be uninformed. Like he wants us to be in the light that the day is coming and what it will be like. He wants us to know some things, not maybe everything. We don't know everything, but we know enough to know kind of what's going to happen. And we're going to see that in this message, but also that it is going to happen. As sure as the creation, as sure as the sun, as sure as the stars, as sure as you're sitting here, that day is going to come and it's coming soon. Paul says the Lord himself. Jesus himself is going to come down from heaven in that 1 Thessalonians 4 passage with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. That's going to be kind of weird. Then those who are still alive are going to be caught up together to meet with the Lord in the air. And then so Paul says, we will be, and the greatest part, we will be with the Lord Forever. From that point on, when that happens, it will be time over. Game over. It's over. The buzzard has gone off and you have no more time to come into a relationship with Jesus. You blew it. You got so caught up in the game that you forgot to give your life to Christ. And now the day of the Lord has come and time as we know it is up. And those who love the Lord, who are serving God, loving God, will be with the Lord forever. And to that we say, we can't wait. We can't wait. Awesome. I mean, like we were lost in our sin. We were headed for eternal punishment and destruction. And God so loved us that he said, here's my son. This is your only way. This is your only hope back into a relationship with the one who made you, who fashioned you. And to those who have accepted that and are living their lives for the king, we say yes to this day when we will go and be with the Lord forever. This is our hope, right? This is our goal. Our eternal goal is to live lives that please God. That's what we're striving for. This is what most people desire for their lives and their eternity, that they will be in heaven. You know this when you go to a funeral. You know this when people talk about people who have died. We all want to be with the Lord forever. We want to be with Jesus. We want to be with God, the Father, the Creator. And we want to be with Him for all of eternity. And we want to be with our family for all of eternity. It's what most people want. This day will be a day like none other. It will be a day of great power. It will be a day of great wonder. Nothing like this will has ever happened or will ever happen again. This is a once in a lifetime moment when Jesus comes back and it's over. It will be a day of great rejoicing for some and it will be a, a day of great terror for others. It will be a day that catches many people unprepared. It will be a day that catches other people distracted by the things of this life and others it will catch eagerly waiting, eagerly anticipating, eagerly serving the Savior coming again. It's going to catch every, every one of us in one of those three ways. Either we have neglected his coming or we've gotten distracted by, by other things and we're not waiting on his coming or we are going to be waiting for his coming and we are going to be eagerly serving and loving Jesus to the very end of time, to our very end of time. Oh, the day is coming. Just say that with me. Oh, the day is coming.
Let that really sink into your heart because it should impact how you live every day. It should impact everything about your life, knowing that the day of the Lord is coming. Peter said it will come like a thief in the night. In Matthew, Jesus said, the Son of Man is coming with angels in the glory of his Father and will repay each person according to what he has done. That's judgment. Not everyone's going to heaven. Some are going to hell. And Jesus is going to be the judge who decides who goes where. For as lightning comes from the east and it shines as far as the west, so it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. Revelation says he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. The day of the Lord will not go unnoticed. The kingdom of God will be like a homeowner. A homeowner can relate to that. If the master of the house, Matthew 24, if the master of the house had known in what part of the night that the thief was coming to break in, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Makes perfect sense. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. The day of the Lord is coming. Be ready. Be alert. And be eagerly waiting for that day. Number two, the second thing about judgment, the second truth about judgment day is simply this. God will be looking for good fruit. Now this speaks to what judgment day is going to be about. Who gets in? Who doesn't get in? Who, who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved? Who's going to spend all of eternity in life with God? And who's going to spend all of eternity in hell, in punishment, in torment? Truth number two about Judgment Day is this. God is looking for good fruit. Make no mistake about it. Salvation is available to all. Anyone and everyone, but not everyone will be saved. Not all are going to heaven. Matthew chapter 7, verse 17, Jesus said, Every good tree that bears good fruit Let me start. Matthew 7, verse 17, Every good tree bears good fruit. And every bad tree bears bad fruit. Man, you get one word off and it throws your way off. Okay. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. This is, this is judgment day. Good branches, good trees bear good fruit, salvation. Bad trees, bad fruit, eternal punishment in the lake of fire. You see, what God will be looking for on judgment day is this. First of all, souls who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, been immersed into Jesus, forgiven of their sin, and the Holy Spirit is living in them. And secondly, what he's looking for on Judgment Day are those disciples who claim that they're followers of Jesus, who are bearing good fruit that will endure to eternal life. Disciples who are faithfully serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Not people who gave their life to Christ and now are so distracted in their own little worlds that they have nothing to give to God, no fruit that has been born for God, and, and they're living their lives for the world. See, that's what God will be looking for. Surrendered souls and fruitful souls. So don't be fooled by those who say all you need to do is believe. Don't be fooled by that because the devil believes and the devil will not be saved. He is not saved. Belief is not enough. 
Don't believe those who say it's all done. You know, I hear people say, you know, Jesus on the cross said it is finished. And, and, And we want to apply that to our part. And the fact of the matter is, all that applies to is his part. When Jesus said it's complete, when Jesus says it is finished, he is saying to all of mankind that his mission on earth is complete. Grace is now available to anyone. Jesus has done his part. But that has, that has very little to do with your response and my response. It is not finished. How do we know that it's not finished? Because people today are dying and they're going to hell without Christ. That's how we know it's not finished. Everyone is not going to heaven. We are reading passage after passage that some are going to spend eternity in a lake of fire and some are going to be saved. Well, if it's all finished and we're all going to heaven, if all you got to do is just believe that there's a God, then, then, then the rest of the scripture is a lie. Why are we walking by faith if everyone is saved? The fact of the matter is, It is finished applies to what Jesus has done, what God has provided for us. It doesn't apply to you. You and I have a work to do. We come into the finished work of God by grace. We accept that grace in our response to Jesus, but now we carry out the mission of Christ in the world. We have work to do. We have a mission to complete. If it is finished, then why did Jesus give the disciples the Great Commission at all. If it's all done, what is there to carry out in the Great Commission? If it's all done, why are some going to be judged bad trees and some judged good trees? Why are some going to go to heaven and some go to hell? If, If everything's done, because the fact of the matter, it's not all done. God's part is done. We must respond to what God has done. And if we choose not to respond or we choose to neglect or reject, then we are going to pay the penalty for that decision. We're still living on this earth. We're still breathing. We still have work to accomplish for the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived by those who want to bask in the grace of God and say it's all complete, it's all finished, all you have to do is believe and accept it, and there's nothing else for you to do. That simply is not true. It's not biblical. The covenant that God has extended to you and I, it involves two halves, right? It's a covenant. The first half is God's God's part, right? His grace, his son has come to this earth. He has kept his end of the bargain. Grace is available. It is free for anyone of the choosing. But the second half of this, this covenant is that you and I come into it. We accept the covenant. We enter into the covenant. And we do that by giving our life to Christ, by completely surrendering to him and living as one of his children, obedient and faithful on the planet. If, if that's not true, if, if we don't have our part of the covenant and, and, and agreement to live up to, then why did Jesus say to the rich young ruler, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor and come follow me and you will have life in heaven. And the man went away sad. If, if it's true that everyone's good and we're all, it's all finished, then why did Jesus say to all of us, that you must take up your cross every day, deny yourself, and follow him. Why is Jesus calling us to give up everything on the planet? Why Why all the passages about what walking in faith looks like if it's already a done deal and we're all good to go? Simply because that's not how it is. And that's a lie from the devil to think that everything has been completed. His work, complete. Our work, still to do, as long as we have breath on this planet. See, if you, you, we're called to live a faithful and obedient life to Jesus. To those who claim to honor and love the King, our job is to honor God in our life, to produce fruit, right? To produce fruit for the kingdom of God. This is what God is looking for us 
to be doing as we live our lives on this earth, as he uses us on this planet. John the Baptist said this, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. You have repented and changed your life. You've been walking with God. Where's the evidence? Bear fruit, John says. Bear fruit. See, it's simply not enough to float around in the, love, in the lake of his love. It is not enough to do the backstroke in the glory of his grace or to sit in pews singing about his grace and his work without serving the very one who came to serve us. It's simply not enough. To the one who washed the disciples' feet and then said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. Then the same one who said, no servant is greater than his master. See, it irks me, as you can tell, when I hear people saying that everything is done. All we got to do is just live in the love and the lake of his glory. And, and there's no responsibility on our part. There's no action on our part. There's no serving the king who came and died for us on our part. When we read in the scripture that that is simply not true, that God calls us to obedience. He calls us to faithfulness. He calls us to holiness. He calls us to a great commission to go into all the world. Why would he give us a great commission if it's already done? because it's not already done. His part is done. We have a part to live out and judgment day is going to come and God is going to be looking for good fruit. I cannot, I probably am not saying this very well, but I can't emphasize this enough. In fact, one of the greatest pictures painted in the Bible is judgment day, Matthew 25. And we're going to read that together. Matthew 25 is all about what it's going to be like on Judgment Day. We don't have too many passages that tell us what it's going to be like on Judgment Day. But here is one of them. Here we go. Matthew 25. When the Son of Man, if you've got your Bibles, open it. It might be easier to see than this. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. This is Judgment Day. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you. This is heaven for you for since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. I needed Oops, sorry. And the righteous, verse 37, sorry. And the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you and feed you, uh, hungry and feed you? When, when did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, verse 40. I truly, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, the goats, judgment day, people separated, souls separated. This day is coming. He will say to them on his left, whatever you did, or then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you are cursed into eternal fire. Prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing. Sorry. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they're going to answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help? And he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal punishment life. This day is coming. This is a picture of what judgment day is going to be like. 
Judgment will be determined by not did you believe in Jesus or did you attend church and sing songs and watch sermons, but on did you serve Jesus in the world? Did you go about bearing good fruit for the kingdom of God in Jesus' name? James said it like this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Did you hear that? James says, don't just listen to the word, believe the word, know the word. That's not enough. If you don't do what it says, it means nothing. Oh, the day is coming. Oh, the day is coming. John 5 says, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Acts 17, Paul said, he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world. Matthew 13 says, and the seed fell on good soil and it produced good fruit and a big crop, 130, 60 times what was sown. John 15, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut off. And every branch that bears good fruit will be pruned so that it produces even more fruit. A.W. Pink said this, the first time Jesus came to slay sin in us, in men. The second time he will come to slay men who are in sin. The kingdom of God will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and brought extra oil and five were foolish and brought no extra oil. The bridegroom was delayed at midnight. At the, the bridegroom was delayed and at midnight the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. The wise virgins trimmed their lamps and went out to meet him. But the foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. The wise said, there will not be enough for us and you. Go to dealers and buy some. And while they were gone, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. When the five virgins arrived, they said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he answered them, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day or the hour. Be ready. One judgment, on judgment day, on judgment day, God will be looking for good fruit. He's going to be looking for good fruit. Fruit. And the third truth uh, that I want to share with you this morning about Judgment Day is this. This is the last one. Those walking by faith that we have described over the last bunch of weeks, those who are truly walking by faith have nothing to fear. And this is the encouragement that we can have if we're on the right side of this. If we're living according to God's word and God's truth, we're, we're honestly walking by faith. This is encouraging to us. To those who are not walking by faith, this should be a wake-up call or a challenge to you. If you're walking by faith as described in the scriptures, then you really have nothing to fear. If you are in Christ, if you've accepted his grace, if you're walking in the light of his glory and the love with the Savior and he's living in you and you are living in him and he's working through you, then his grace is more than enough to cover you. This is the encouragement that we have as we wait for the Lord and as we walk in his faith. See, walking by faith means that you're not walking by sight. It means that you're not living by the flesh. It means that you're not living by the ways of the world. It means that you are walking according to the Spirit of God living in you. It means that you're clothed with Jesus. It means that you're waiting on the Lord. It's all about His will and not your will. It's all about having the mind of Christ alive in you. And you are living out every day the Great Commission. See, none of this is out of duty. 
And none of this walking by faith is about punishment, and none of it is to gain salvation. It's a free gift. We're not trying to win God's approval, but it's out of grace. It's out of grace that we do the things that God has called us to do. Get this, get this statement right here. If grace is in you, if God is truly living in you, you've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you've been baptized into Jesus, your sins are forgiven, and the Spirit of God is living in you. If grace is truly living in you, then grace will flow out of you. Your life, your action, your deeds, your thinking, your mindset, your attitude, all of it. Will, will come out of the grace that you are already living in. And you will do nothing less than serve the king out of gratitude for what the king has done for you. If grace is in you, then grace will flow from you. And then you can look forward to those amazing words well done, good and faithful servant. See, when you're walking by faith, you can take comfort in knowing that your citizenship is not on this earth. Your citizenship is in heaven. And from heaven, <coughs> we await our Savior. We eagerly await our Savior from heaven to come and take us to be with him. Oh, the day is coming. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and take you to be where I am. Paul said in Colossians, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. 1 John 2 says, and now children, abide in him. Remain in him, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame uh, at his coming. We will have nothing to worry about. We will have nothing to fret about. We will have confidence that we are living and walking by the faith of Jesus. See, the kingdom of God will be like a farmer. <clears throat> James chapter five. The farmer who waits for the land to yield its valuable crops, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. You too then be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. And then James says, the judge is standing at the door. When the judge is standing at the door, he is so close to entering the room. Be ready, be prepared. Walk by faith and you will have nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. The perfect love of Jesus living in you will drive out any fear. There will be confidence that you are in him and he is in you if you are truly, truly saved by his grace. The day of the Lord is coming. Hebrews 9 says Christ appeared the first time to bear sin. He's going to appear a second time not to bear sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Acts 17, 31 says Jesus has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has appointed. He has given assurance to all of us by raising him from the dead. Acts 1, when Jesus ascended back into heaven, the angels said, why do you stand here staring in the heavens? The same Jesus who was taken from you will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. He's coming back. No one knows the day or the hour, not the angels in heaven, not the son, only the father. Therefore, you also must be ready for the son of man is going to come at an hour that you do not expect him. Revelations 22 says, he who testifies to these things, the apostle John, who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. Walking by faith means a number of things. It means a number of things. 
These are the responsibility of God's children to live out as they walk on this earth for the king. As we are claimed to be children of God, we are to act a certain way. We are not to act like the world. We are to act like sons and daughters of the king, of God. God is going to hold us responsible for doing so. Here's the thing. Walking by faith, even though it means a number of things, today this is what it means. Jesus is coming soon. And we should begin to prepare for Judgment Day. The day of the Lord will be like no other day ever in history. It will be a day of great rejoicing for some and a great day of great terror for others. The day of the Lord is coming. Your fruit is going to be inspected. And number three, confidence comes to the faithful to those who are faithfully bearing fruit for the king and in love with him. DC Talk sang a song that said, I wished we'd all been ready. I wished we'd all been ready. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, Paul says this, and we're done. Now there is in store for me, Paul says, a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, Paul says, but also to all, to all who have longed for his appearing, to all who walk by faith, to all who walk by faith. God bless you guys. Go and walk by the faith of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Have a great week and prepare. He is coming again soon.